This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why, this is why. Pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why the podcast. Welcome to the This Is Why podcast. I'm journalist, author, and comedy writer, Laura Lane. And I'm author and editor, Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we give best friend advice on topics including pop culture, news, friendship, dating, workplace dynamics, parenting, and whatever else is on your mind. This week's episode is called Freezing Your Eggs. Then we'll be answering your listener questions, including one listener whose friends expect her to foot the bill when they go out to eat, and another wondering how to get through TTC, also known as trying to conceive. Then we're talking about what's in the news, an unexpected side effect of unprotected sex, and how baby aspirin could help you get pregnant. But first, we want to welcome this week's guest. Darla Murray is an Emmy Award-winning producer for Entertainment Tonight, who has written for New York Magazine, Cosmopolitan, Pure Wow, many other very cool places. She's my former magazine colleague, a close friend, and she wrote a very popular piece back in 2017 for Cosmopolitan called I'm 34, Married and Healthy, Here's Why I'm Freezing My Eggs. So when a listener of ours reached out asking us to do an episode about freezing your eggs i called up darla asked if she would come on the show and she graciously said yes so welcome to the show thank you i'm so happy to be here and laura you forgot to mention in that very nice intro that i was your intern you hired me for my very first job in uh the magazine entertainment world well, <laughs> yeah but you but you're, you're the second of two of laura's former interns we've had on this show yeah, well, my yeah. I just like hired interns that were like way cooler than me and like way overqualified <laughs> to be my intern. Like Darla showed up with like a master's degree, and I was like, "Yeah, uh, sure, I don't have that. Be my intern." <laughs> like, um, so first, a little bit about the piece. Uh, in the first paragraph, you write, "I had always assumed that only two types of women freeze their eggs: single women who were either doing it as a plan B in case they found Mister Right." quote, too late to conceive naturally or who plan to be single mothers and women with a health condition that threaten the function of their reproductive organs. But I'm healthy, married and 34. I'm living my plan A. So that is like a, just like the great opening paragraph. So tell everybody, why did you decide to freeze your eggs given all of that? Yeah. So that, I mean, was really what I used to think that there was sort of two types of people that did this, the people that were going to go and have a child on their own because they couldn't conceive naturally or didn't find Mr. Right or someone who was doing it out of health reasons. And of course, like I said, I was married. I just didn't really think I was a candidate for it. But the reason I did, um, actually, it sort of goes back almost, God, to when I was 13. (laughs) I was in eighth grade and I was doing a science project we could pick anything we wanted, any topic, and it was in biology. And my best friend and I chose in vitro fertilization, this brand new. I did big... not even know what it was back then. Like, yeah, you were ahead what? of your time. Wow. No one knew what it was. I mean, that's why it was this like crazy. It was a science experiment, literally. This is yeah. like 1996, 1997. So we chose we chose in vitro fertilization. And it was just this like fascinating futuristic science thing. And um, we studied it. We like did all the research. We wrote our whole paper on it. And and that just, you know, from such an early age, I kind of knew that that was 
a possibility that was the future. And it was that same best friend who actually froze her eggs. And she was your classic, you know, career-driven, um, single, very much like a female George Clooney type. Yeah, like yeah, she yeah. Was, <laughs> so she, when we were 34, she was freezing her eggs. And I was like, oh, of course you are. And like, how funny, you know, we've yeah. talked about this our whole lives since we were teenagers. And then she goes, well, have you considered it? And I was like, oh, what? Why would, again, why would I, I'm, you know, that's not really for me. And then I realized like literally as soon as I said it, that that made no sense because being married or not, or being where you are in your career has nothing to do with your fertility and whether or not you're going to have children or uh, have babies naturally. So I kind of realized at that point, okay, maybe I do want to look into um, having the option of like postponing getting pregnant. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the piece because I'm very similar to you in the sense that I'm 32. I, I, well, I would be married if it wasn't for COVID, but I will be eventually. Um, and it's like, I don't know if I want to have kids. And if I do, it's not going to be for a while. But that might, you know, the longer I wait, the less likely it could be or it could be fine. But there's no way to know. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's a big part of it is you just you just don't know. And it takes some of that um, leaving it up to chance because eventually the decision will be made for you. Exactly. If you wait too long, the decision's made for you. Right. So this is like having a little bit of control. But honestly, I'm not at the point yet where I've done like significant research into what it would entail. So I thought your piece was a really good intro. It's very accessible. And like it gives you a starting point, at least if you're considering it. Um, Like I had I didn't know about the AMH test, which is the anti-malarian hormone test. Oh, you actually know how to pronounce it. Did I say it right? No, I I was winging it. Um, and that's, it shows the estimated number of eggs you have left and you have to ask your gyno about it. Um, why do you think that that is something that isn't recommended to more women by their doctors? And how did you find out about it? That's such a great question. And I think, why is it not recommended? I think just a not, it's, it's not, it's not part of the mainstream yet. It's, it's a relatively new test. I think it only went into circulation in 2015. Um, getting a crystal ball and having a little glimpse into your future. I remember again, when these tests were sort of talked about, and as I said, I've been following this industry since I was 13. Um, so when I heard about this test, some people, I remember having friends say, Oh my God, why would you ever want to know that? Like, why would you, I I wouldn't even want to know. I I don't want it to impact. I just want to live my life and not know these details. It's kind of like, if you knew, you were going to get some disease later in life. Would you want to know that now? How would that change the way you would live now? Right. But when it comes to having kids, though, you can prepare differently. You can look into adoption sooner or, you know. Or you can at least freeze your eggs earlier. Yeah. You know, you don't have Exactly. Like, that's different. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, to I me, it know. was just like knowledge is power. Right. No, it's not yes. like an incurable disease. Knowledge, yes. knowledge <laughs> is power. Yeah. No, yeah. It is interesting because I can kind of relate to that where finding out I was born with like half of a uterus. Mm. I was like, oh, am I glad that I didn't find out until I was 31 and about to have kids or what I wanted to know sooner? And I mean, it's easy for me to say now that it worked out and I was able to carry a child that 
like I'm glad I didn't know I'm just focused on my career and and all of that but yeah you kind of it, yeah it's one of those questions that makes you wonder but with this you can actually prepare you know like I there was nothing I could have done to change I couldn't like right. grown a uterus in that time <laughs> but, but like you can you can freeze your eggs so like you said knowledge is power Absolutely. And to me, that was just the, it's sort of a no brainer first step. That is a blood test. You can get it done at your, you know, your annual physical. And I think it is, I mean, that's interesting to me, Angela, you haven't heard of it because it's supposed to be offered to us. It's supposed to be a regular occurrence. I was never offered that. That drives me, (laughs) that's like so crazy. I don't know any friends that have been offered it. I am not, I was not offered that ever. It's nuts to me. Yeah. Right. So I think definitely that's just a nice, so that's, that's sort of where I started with this. I said, okay, you know what? I hadn't really considered freezing my eggs, but like you, Angela, I was married, but I didn't want to have kids right away, but I didn't know when or if I would. And I just wanted personally to have a little bit of control over that destiny um, where I could. So I took that test. And basically what that test indicates is how, it doesn't tell you how many eggs you have left. Like it's, it's very sort of misleading in that sense. It's not saying here's how many you have. Good luck. It's, right. it's, um, you know, it's a little refresher. Obviously we're, as women, we're born with all the eggs we will ever have and they don't regenerate the way sperm regenerates. Every month you lose, since you're mature, you lose, um, I think it's like, I don't want to get the science wrong here, but like you, you can lose like thousands of eggs a month kind of thing that are, um, that could be viable eggs. So this test just sort of tells you on a scale of, you know, one to four, these values where you are in terms of your egg reserve. Um, the higher the number, the the better. But again, it's not like they're counting your eggs, of course. Right. And you were surprised by your results, right? Yes. So I, you know, I was healthy. I was 34. I just didn't really, I, I kind of just did the test just because it, I, I knew of it and it was available to me. So I just did it. And I was a little shocked when I got the results because it was, it was lower than I expected. I was a, the value is was 1.3 and and that's on a scale of 0 to 4 so i don't know why in my mind i was like oh i'll be a 4 i've always been an overachiever <laughs> <laughs> and i just you know i i just assumed i had nothing to worry about and even my doctor said you know that's it's totally within the normal range i still have nothing to worry about but it wasn't like I had this exceptionally high level where I seemingly had an egg reserve for decades to come. Right. Right. Um, one thing, this is related, but kind of unrelated. You mentioned that that as a woman, you're born with all the eggs you'll, you'll ever have. I have two sons, but one of my friends told me, think about it. If you are pregnant with a girl, you're like carrying your grandchildren. Isn't that a cool thought? That is such a trip, right? Isn't that a really have... cool thought? Because you have like your baby and then your baby has the <laughs> eggs. I mean, obviously it's and not- And their little fetus eggs. And it's not actually like your grandchildren because obviously you need like a sperm to make it like an embryo. Right. But but it's like a really cool thought that like if you're carrying a girl, you 
carry your grandchildren. I don't know if boys are trippy. Are boys born born with their sperm? Maybe it's true even if I have a boy. I don't know. Anyways, just a cool thought that Well, maybe they're born with some sperm, but it does regenerate. That's why men can have, you know, you have these Alec Baldwins and what Right. Right. (laughs) Uh when we asked you to be on the show, you mentioned that you you still get reached out to by readers who read your 2017 piece and want advice. Yes. So I'm curious to know, like as an Emmy award winning journalist and producer, like we're used to like asking other people invasive questions and right. we did that for years and years in a magazine. What has it been like for you to be on the other side of things and have people know intimate details about you and your health? Yeah, that's honestly such a great question because this is definitely a role reversal and I wasn't even someone who's writing personal essays. I mean, you write humor essays and personal essays all the time as a journalist. That was never my beat. I really was an interviewer. I told other people's stories. Um, and then with this one, not only was I telling my story, it was a somewhat personal story. And I also invited cameras into the room, like into the medical room as well. Um, and the story got picked up by a lot of different places. This was sort of, like I said, it was 2017. It was peak boutique egg freezing, which I can't even believe that's a thing. (laughs) The egg boom. (laughs) But it really was peak boutique egg freezing in New York City. And so it was sort of like cutting edge. And actually the, the reason I wrote, the reason that camera crew followed me and the reason there was a story here was because of this, um, I think they're, you know, disrupting the fertility industry. Um, because at this point, egg freezing was nothing new. Like we, this, at this point, we've been doing this for, well, 20 years, but what we were seeing in 2015, 16, 17 was literally pop-up shops and mobile buses that were, you could go on the bus and get your AMA H or so AMH levels tested right then and there. Crazy. And it's so crazy. So the place I ended up going to, they were one of the first in New York to offer only egg freezing. So this was a facility that for women only, you go in, you freeze your eggs and that's it. So you're not sitting in a waiting room next to a pregnant woman. You're not next to a couple trying to conceive. You're not next to someone who's dealing with infertility. You're all there for the same purpose. And then once your eggs are frozen, like if you do want to do IVF in the future, you have to go somewhere else. Yes. So that's sort of the downside. A lot of people, when they freeze their eggs, they can also freeze their eggs and have them, um, you know, freeze sperm as well and have them frozen as embryos. This place that I went to didn't offer that. It was just freeze your eggs. Uh, So my eggs were frozen and then they go off to, I think they're in some facility in Connecticut, chilling. (laughs) Quite literally. <laughs> you said that that made it more affordable though, right? Yes. The, and that's such an important point. So because it wasn't this all-inclusive big fertility center, they just did one thing and did it well, the costs were so much less. Um, but there's a downside to that too. Obviously, if you have – the first step is getting a frozen egg. Then you need to turn it to an embryo. Then you need to have a successful implantation. Yeah. And you don't know how many embryos you'll get from eggs. Exactly. So since we didn't freeze embryos, it was just eggs. We don't know what the fate of those eggs are going to be and if they'll turn into embryos and then if those embryos can be implanted, et cetera. So it was, um, you know, maybe not for some people who are so adamant that they 
absolutely 100% know they want to have children one day, I would say freeze, go get embryos and as many as you can. Mm-hmm. Right. It's crazy because it's such a process for someone who who isn't sure. <laughs> you know, it's such a commitment of not just time and money, but you put your body through a lot. Yeah. Um, which that's so that's such an important point to bring up. It's such it's a lot and it's also a privilege. I mean, it's yes. a huge privilege to be able to do something like this um as really a because I haven't made up my mind yet. Right. right, right. You, you know, this it's it's, it's expensive, it's, it's time cheap, consuming. Yeah. And it's it's a lot, it's a lot to put your body through. And it's I was shocked more than anything, it's a lot to put your mind through. Yeah. It's all you're thinking about when you're doing this for, for the whole process. Yeah, because you feel you you feel the physical changes, like you've got you're putting hormones in your body, you feel the mental changes. I've had friends that were like, Oh, it's no big deal. And then I've had other friends that like it kick started like a dark depression for like a hot, you know, a little bit of time because you just never know how your body will react to to different hormones. So you're going through all this physical and mental stuff, but you're not only just going through it with you and your partner, you are writing about it. And so you know that everybody's going to see, and I can, I can, I can relate to this. I just wrote a piece where I mentioned that I conceived doing doggy style and I was like reading the piece today and I was like oh fuck my mom read this piece and my mother-in-law read this piece fuck but and I was like I didn't think about that when I was writing that little sentence in that in this long piece anyway so you knew that everybody that you knew could read this was probably going to read this piece of yours so you decided I'm going to preemptively call my in-laws and tell them because there's a good chance they could come across this piece or video footage of me going through this. I probably should give them a heads up. What was that awkward discussion like? A hundred percent. And to be fair, I would have told them, even if I wasn't filming this, this was, you know, a big, uh, a big deal. And it was something we just, Matthew and I decided on, my husband and I decided on together. So, um, I definitely would have called them anyway, but it was also, weird to call them knowing that I'd be writing about this conversation and then they would be reading about the conversation as well. Um, So that was, you know, it's funny because when I was going through it, it was just, I was very much in my own head and it was very personal. But then once I went to the retrieval and had the cameras there and everything else too, that's when it sort of occurred to me, oh yeah, other people are going to see this and read this. And I didn't, notice the effects of that, of course, until it was published. But the reactions were so interesting and so mixed. So his family members, um, you know, most loved the piece, thought it was so great that I was doing that, like really saw it as the public service kind of thing. Um, I had some people who come up to me um, almost very sympathetic, like they were like, oh, I'm so sorry you <laughs> Had to do this, <laughs> and I was thinking, I don't weird... think you know what an egg freezing is. Like, did you did you read the article? Did you read did the article? Think... I made yeah. an empowered decision. Yeah, right. I think some people, and and that was sort of the eye opening thing. And I think that's just part of like the education and the stigma around fertility in America. Really, like just the fact that there was there's so little known and it wasn't so openly discussed. Um, and there were so many 
like I said, people who I just didn't even really understand what I was doing. Like it wasn't, I was like, oh no, this is a, this is a choice, not a procedure I have to have. Right. Right. That's so fascinating. All right. Well, later on in the show, we're going to get even more into the nitty gritty of what egg freezing is like, what the experience is like. But first, we're going to jump into our mailbox, answer some of our listener questions, uh, and we're going to take a quick sponsor break. We'd like to thank our sponsor in case you missed it. It's another podcast, another awesome podcast. If you like this show, you should check out In Case You Missed It. It's Slate's new podcast about internet culture. It's a show for people who have a healthy relationship with the internet made by people who really, really don't. Angela, I... I feel like this is like a show made for you because you are my like Twitter guru, internet guru. I'll be like, what's happening on the internet, Angela? Fill me in, girl. I feel so seen that you would know that this description matches me. Um, It does mean that I have to probably get outside a little more, but in the meantime, I'm going to enjoy this podcast. Uh, It's hosted by Slate's Madison Malone Kircher, who I enjoy from Twitter because I'm online a lot. See, I knew Um, it. It's also hosted by Rachel Hampton. Uh, Twice a week, they'll explore what's trending at the top of your feeds, investigate the ghosts of internet past, and help you sound like the smartest person in your group chat. I'm – this is a show – actually, maybe it's more of a show for me so I can keep up with you. Oh, gee. Yeah. Who could keep up with me? (laughs) Episodes drop every (laughs) Wednesday and Saturday starting March 24th. Search I-C-Y-M-I, which – are the acronyms for in case you missed it, wherever you get your podcast, that's I-C-Y-M-I, the podcast that's extremely online so that you don't have to be. All right, Angela, what's in the mailbox this week? Okay. Um, first up, we have a question from an anonymous listener. Um, the question is not about freezing your eggs, but it's a fun one. So we're all, all going to try and give some advice. Um, so she writes, I would like some advice on how to manage friends expecting me to pay for them when we go out for drinks, restaurant, or order in, at least when we could pre-pandemic. I am a physician, and I often volunteer to pick up the check for my friends. However, now it has somewhat become expected, and most of them never repay the favor. I know I make a good income. However, I am single and pay all my bills myself, while most of them have double income. I also pay my office rents. Uh, my office rent, staff, license fees, and malpractice insurance. These are expenses that my friends do not realize I have. Also, if they were not working, it wouldn't be that bad, but they all have stable employment and income. Am I wrong for not wanting to be expected to pick up the tab every time? It's become more expected than appreciated. How can I get my friends to stop expecting me to pay without offending them? I wish this person was my friend because no. I, don't, no. I don't have money uh, anybody who, who offers to pick up the A Friendship yeah. and money is always so awkward. Like it's like I, there's been a couple periods where I've had friends that I know like are out of a job or in between jobs and I like want to pick up the bill, but I want to make them feel uncomfortable. Like it's so tricky. So I'm just curious to know like the logistics of like how this went down in the beginning. Like if you it's you said, you know, you you offered to pick it up a few times. So I wonder if it's like, oh my God, it's your birthday. I got it. Totally reasonable. Like I would do that anytime to a friend. Like it's your birthday. Let me get it. My treat. Or you just got a, you just got like a promotion. Like we're celebrating my treat. Like, like if there's a specific excuse, I think it makes people not feel number one, uncomfortable. Number two, it like 
doesn't set up a precedent. Um, but I'm curious at like how it got to the point where your friends now expect it and like why they think you're like their sugar mama friend. Cause right. if I was your friend, I, and like, I had a friend that was like always paying the bill for me. It would make me honestly like uncomfortable. Like, are they trying to show off? Are they like trying to prove they have more money than me? Like if I was your friends, I'd be like, I, Oh no. Like I have, I have friends that like don't have the same financial situation as me, but they like insist to pay even when I've been like it's your birthday let me get it you know and they're like no 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 I got it like and then I kind of you kind of just like read the room like I'm are they actually like uncomfortable about this or um because everybody has different relationships with money based on history their parents friendship previous relationships like so many things I think can make can create somebody's relationship with money um, I don't like that your friends now just expect it, but I'm also curious like how this shit goes down. So like you order food, you order food, like, are you ordering it on your seamless account? Because in that case you're like, okay, I just ordered it. Um, it's going to be the, all the foods like 58. So, um, that's 20 bucks each. Just Venmo me. And like, that's how that conversation should go. It right. shouldn't, right. it should just be like easy breezy. Like, okay, I just ordered the pizza. The total's 58. So, um, just Venmo me you know, whenever you guys get a chance. And like, but that's she, it. That's all she you said gotta this, do. She said this was happening even when they would go to restaurants pre-pandemic. So I can't, that means she was picking, literally picking up the bill and being like, I got it. I mean, in that case, I mean, she's like that what she should do, she should do is she picks up the bill. Like, I mean, it's awkward. The bill's just, I mean, if the bill's literally just sitting there and they're like <laughs> waiting for her, like that's fucked. But like in that case, I mean, what she should do at that point is be like, grab the bill and be like, um, like she could even just like give them her card and be like, oh, here's my card. I'm going to the bathroom. Uh, put it down. I think mine, I think mine was 20. So tell them to put 20 on this, on my card. You know, I don't know if I would trust that group of friends with my credit card. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, she could just like pick up the check and be like, okay, um, I owe this, you owe this. Like, yeah, I'll do the, I'll do the math for you. I'll do the hard part. She might just have to like <laughs> take, yeah, take charge or like. And yeah, say something like that. I don't know, Darla, what do you think? Have you ever had this experience or what would you I tell mean, her? I, not to this degree, definitely. But I think the, the main thing here too is it takes the fun out of treating someone if it's just expected. For sure. So, you know, if she has the means to do this for her friends every once in a while, that's exciting and that's fun and that's great if she's offering and it's her idea. When it's assumed, it's, not all that special for the receivers and it's definitely not fun for the person who it's assumed of because there's nothing special about it so but i agree i don't know how it got to this point i think i would just pick up the bill and say okay you guys want to split this down the middle you want to just put up just break the ice and do it once say oh we each owe this much it doesn't need to be itemized it doesn't need to be um you know tens of Oh, you had two drinks. I had only one. But yeah, I don't know. That's that's a that's a bummer. That it really <laughs> is. I mean, I think also just be cognizant of like, yeah, in the future or anybody else listening, like how it came off in the beginning where it got to the point where they just assumed it. Like, I don't know. Also, just know even if you make a lot of money, like don't make people feel uncomfortable. Like when I host friends, I'll do it like if you're inviting a bunch of people from my house. I'll cater it, you know? It, I feel like that's less uncomfortable because you're just, you have like, you're at the house. You're like, come over to my house for a, a 
like a party or get together and I'm providing the food, I'm hosting the party. That's not hopefully make that shouldn't make anybody feel uncomfortable. Whereas if you like all go out to eat and you're like, I got it. It's like <laughs> right. you're pl- trying to be like alpha girl or something, you know? Right. And it's like, weird. it's not, it's different if you're at the bar and you're like shots on me. That right. usually doesn't make people feel uncomfortable. There's just certain, it really is just so situational, like shots on me or I've got this round, you know, like I've got this round means I've got this round. You will get the next. And so <laughs> even if you paid like, like you would think your friends would be like, oh, you got dinner last time. Like I'll pick up the check this time, you know? Right. So I think you should do kind of, yeah, do, do what Angel said, which is just like, I'll do the hard part. I'll do the math or just say like, I'm happy to put on my card. If you guys want to Venmo me, is that easier than spending cards? You know? Yeah. And I I think think one of the things to remember too, or to think about is, or a question I would have for this group of friends is what kind of places are they going to? Is this person that's covering the bill picking restaurants that her friends can't afford and they're feeling uncomfortable because then you know what go to just go to a casual fun little restaurant so everyone can afford it if if that's her concern but if her friends are just being mooches that's a whole other story that's a great point yeah don't pick if you're picking an expensive place then yeah you should be footing the bill like if if it's out of their out of their price point um but yeah let let your friends pick where you're going next time just to cover all your bases All right, Angela, what else do we have in the mailbox? Okay, next up, we have a question from an anonymous listener, and she wrote, tips to survive TTC, trying not to go insane over here on month seven. Now, I did not even know what TTC was because I'm not in the mommy world, but it is. Trying trying, to conceive. Trying to conceive. Um, Uh, And for those that don't know, like what the trying to conceive is, that's like the TTC. It takes a lot of Googling when you first go into these like mommy pregnancy message boards because there are so many codes and acronyms. (laughs) There's like DD is for like dear daughter and like there's all these ones. I'm like – and it's like I can't keep it straight. Like you have to be really like deep in it to just like like read it and know what people are talking about. Anyways, but – I also – I just – I also find that a lot of my mom friends – uh, like abbreviate their child's name to just the first letter of their name. So moms are just in a hurry. They're just into abbreviating. Question, yeah. does this happen in real life conversations? No, or is no. only in chat. <laughs> this is like one of those internet things that would not translate into the real world, I think. I'm Googling right now, like what are some acronyms? Like, uh, There's one just... for like your husband, right? D-H, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Is that dear, dear husband? Dear husband. Oh, God. I don't know. Why? Why? I know who came up with these. Okay, here I came. The ultimate list for mom forum acronyms. I'll just tell you some other ones. Um, AF is Aunt Flo. That's when you're talking about your period, like your period. Yeah, oh just got my AF. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see some because some of these are just like obvious. Like BF is for breastfeeding. Um, <laughs> That's not obvious. I don't. D- DTD is do the deed. Is that like is that an acronym that like you guys use ever? Definitely no. not. No. Um, why? <laughs> my LLO is little one. My like little one. Uh, yeah, some of these are obvious. Like MS is morning sickness. Uh, yeah. Anyway. But uh, wow. oh, stay at home parent. S-A-H-P. S-O, significant other. T-T-C, trying to conceive. W-A-H, work at home. Some, some are obvious. But then, yeah, when you get to like, you know, D-D, my dear daughter, and then DS is dear son. I'm like, oh, jeez. Uh, WTF. Just write like, like just write like my daughter, <laughs> my son. Yeah, I was like, whatever. 
Anyways, but yeah, Anyways. The, when you are going through that trying to conceive period and it's not happening right away, which I think is the case for most people. I have like one friend that got pregnant on her honeymoon. I'm like, really? Like you, <laughs> like that doesn't happen to anyone. Um, it can be really stressful because you're basically every day of the month is dedicated to something. You're either peeing on a stick every, every morning, waiting to find out when you're ovulating, then you're ovulating, then you're trying to have sex as many times as you can, like around the <laughs> ovulation or some people have different theories. You do the every, every other day, blah, blah, blah. Then after that, you have the two week wait, which is like two weeks until you can test to find out if you're pregnant. So you're waiting and there's that whole two weeks that where you're like, am I pregnant? Am I not? Did it work? Did it not work? you know, I don't want to drink. Should I drink? Should I not? And then you're like test, you know, and then maybe you're doing the early pregnancy test and you're like negative, negative. Okay. But maybe I tested too early. And then you're, you keep testing, you keep testing. Uh, and then, you know, maybe you get your period and then you're all bummed that you've spent the last month every day stressing about this. You get your period yeah. and you're like just waiting for your period to be over. And then you're back to peeing on a stick, peeing on a stick, peeing on a stick. When am I ovulating? And so this can go on for however long it takes to get pregnant. And it can be really really stressful and totally consuming and you're always in your head about it and I've been there and so you know I understand why she says tips to survive TTC mm -hmm. because like imagine what that's like it's like a stressful everyday thing where you really want to get your mind away from it and you know people you, you know you the worst thing someone can say is like, oh, just like, don't think about it and, like, and it will happen. Like, you know, like, it, oh, if you stress about it, the stress is not good. It's like, okay, go fuck yourself. Like, I want to be a mom right now. And like, I actually want to find out when I'm ovulating. So I do need to do this. Um, but like, yeah, tips to survive. Like at some point you do just kind of have to like live your life as much as you can. I think I'm trying to remember. But yeah, I, I think, oh, when I got pregnant this time it was like I forget how long it took it was just a few it, this was actually pretty quick but I had done the pee sticks for a few months and it didn't work and I was like fuck it I'm not doing those stupid pee sticks anymore and then I got pregnant so like <laughs> you know so tips to survive would be like give your you know take a break for like a month or two for me I really do a lot of like self-care like the acupuncture helps de-stress me and you know could help with fertility too do your yoga, just relax. I mean, honestly, if you guys have any tips for just things you do to like not stress out in general, it would be helpful for anybody going through TTC. I would imagine that this also takes a toll on your relationship with your partner because, you know, in theory, it's supposed to be this lovely, beautiful thing that you're doing together and you're making a baby and it's the circle of life. But like, you're like, it's probably not very romantic at a certain point, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, I don't like stress Nick about it, and like I don't update him every day. I, no, but I mean, I, even just I, like the being like, we have to fuck now, you know? Like, yeah, but I mean, at some point, when like I've been with Nick eleven years, at some point, you're like, do you want to have a romantic night tonight? And you're like scheduling it ahead of time, you know? Like, right. like are you playing online poker tonight, or do you want to have a romantic night? So it's kind of, but yeah, I mean, he knew that I was gonna be like trying, and I leave the sticks out, which probably yeah, is maybe like the mo not the most romantic thing but what we would do is if I would find out that I was ovulating then I'd be like I would I wouldn't be like I'm ovulating I would be like it's sexy time <laughs> and <laughs> and like I would light some candles and like put some I literally googled like 
sexy indie playlist on Spotify. And like, that's, <laughs> yeah, so if anyone wants to be creepy and like have sex to the same playlist Nick and I do, it's like sexy. Wait, indie like playlist. who's on it? Who's what kind of singers? I don't know. Let me. I'll pull it up while I'm tell while I'm telling you what amazing. I do. So I I like dim the lights, put the candles on. So yeah, I mean, he knows it means I'm ovulating, but I was like, it's uh time to get sexy or i don't know i'll say something really stupid like that um okay. <laughs> let me see what's on i don't even think i know i'm not cool so i don't think okay sexy music for indie folks i don't know that's uh, artist is cigarettes after sex i would play this but I, I don't know if we've like i think we could get in trouble for not having music rights billy eilish is on here i'm just that's like literally the only person i know <laughs> it's way it's like way too cool of an indie She's playlist like for me <laughs> yeah which is yeah that's weird well, um, playlist ian and i were recently going through there's a playlist on spotify that went viral that is like the worst songs to have sex to um so that's where we're at we were just going through <laughs> it and giggling oh it was like fine. 76 trombones and baby shark nice that's really funny anyways just uh, hang in there i hope that's yeah. helpful anybody have any last tips for for our friend that's ttcing play that playlist yeah play that playlist and yeah, try enjoy. to enjoy fun with it i guess i mean did you and nick like are you enjoying the sex or is it only you know no, for the end result like i enjoyed it a means to an end no i think yeah i enjoyed it i i remember it being like it was way better like this time around than like like the last time. It just took me longer to get pregnant yeah. between like six months, like yeah, like half a year of my life, and then right. like and then a miscarriage and then waiting. So it was just like at some point, it's like yeah, like the candles and the like sexy indie playlist are gonna like get old, you know. <laughs> and and it was just yeah, it was like not uh, uh, yeah, but um. Yeah, but then I got pregnant with Rilo when we were on like a trip for a wedding, like somewhere. So it was just like I think it was also like switching it up, you know, yeah. like helped a little bit with that. And for what it's worth, I don't know. Um, someone told me that they like they've gotten pregnant with all three of their children when they've been near water, and like so we mm. were we were near water around when with Rilo. So I don't know. All right, go That's have cute. sex on a beach i don't know yeah that's a great tip <laughs> to end on uh if you want your listener questions answered email us at contact at this is why the podcast.com you can also find all of our contact info on our website this is why the podcast.com and you can also slide into our dms angela hit us with that instagram handle it is at this is why podcasts all right easy enough um, now we're going to take, we're going to talk about what's in the news, but first let's thank our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Bright Cellars. If you have ever been overwhelmed in the wine aisle and bought a random wine you end up hating, you are not alone. Finding the perfect wine match can be intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. And that is where Bright Cellars comes in. Bright Cellars uses a sophisticated wine algorithm to match you with wine you are guaranteed to love, all you have to do is take their 30-second quiz and bam, personalized wine right to your door. I don't know about you, Angela. I'll read the little cards when I'm in a wine store and they describe the floral, fruity aromas. But in the end, I've always just gone with, all right, let's just pick like a cute label. Because yeah, yeah I am or price overwhelmed. Point. What? <laughs> or price point. Price it's point like- too. A mix, What's a mix cute of the two. I'm like, you know, I don't do the cheapest. I usually do like the second cheapest if I'm bringing it somewhere. Totally. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to look like a, a bum. 
I do second cheapest. Although nobody even like knows how much, but whatever. That's besides the point. This was really fun to take their quiz because they asked questions that I wouldn't even think applied to wine in terms of like food I like and, and like smells and, and then, and then it was really, it was like really cool. A bunch of wine showed up at my door and I was like, this is amazing because this is wine tailored to me. Whenever I've gone to a wine store, they don't ask me the questions that this quiz does and they should. It's true. And it's based on your taste, but also you can pick if you want red or white or a mix, which I liked as well because I really only like white. So Bright Cellars and their sommeliers are committed to telling the stories of the wines they source and providing a wine service that helps you understand what you like in a wine. Each wine comes with an education card that provides more information on the wine's origin, tasting notes, and food pairings. Um, they have versatile subscriptions, so you can always switch up the amount of reds and whites. Like I said, if you're a seasonal wine drinker, you could skip an order whenever you want. For This Is Why listeners, we are giving 50% off your Bright Sellers box. Go to brightsellers.com slash this is why. That's brightsellers, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com backslash this is why. You can take their seven question quiz to get your wine matches and receive 50% off your first six bottle order. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. I've been getting really into making family smoothies in the morning. So Rilo picks out the cups, he picks out the straws, I make the smoothie, I put in my special little powders, and, and then it's Rilo's job to decide who gets what cup. And oh, that's very cute. Yeah. I mean, he's like, I, you know, it's, I'm all about like sneaking in those, those veggies and healthy ingredients and plant based nutrition. And like the best way I've found to do that is smoothie. Cause like, who does not like a delicious smoothie? Yeah. It's kind of almost like ice cream. That's, that's how I feel. I know. That's why I like eating it in bowl form because I pretend it's ice cream. But, you know, you put your Organifi in there, it's great. Uh, Organifi is super convenient. Each superfood blend is easy to use by simply mixing it in your water or your favorite beverage on the go. It's great tasting. Organifi takes pride and care in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market. And best of all, it's less than $3 per day. They've got all different kinds of products. They've got their green juice, which contains clinical dose of ashwagandha. And they've been, I hope I'm saying that right. My favorite. I hope I'm saying that right. But um, that it supports healthy cortisol levels, which aids in weight management and um, helps with, I don't know, it, like, ashwagandha, is like, it's an adaptogen that helps with just truly so many different things. And so that's a cool one. You could try their green juice. They've got a red juice. They've got a gold juice. So many options. And we're hooking it up. Head to Organifi.com slash this is why and use code this is why to get 15% off all orders. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash this is why and use code this is why to get 15% off all orders. Angela, what have you been reading this week? So this week, Women's Health Magazine is reporting that there is a side effect to unprotected sex that is not just um, an unexpected pregnancy. You can also get diarrhea from unprotected sex. Did you guys know this? I mean, is that like a side effect of like an STD? Let me explain. So (laughs) this is not a new discovery to my knowledge, but it was new to me. You always pick the grossest stories, by the way. (laughs) I just... 
honestly, I don't know why Women's Health Magazine is reporting this because, like I said, I don't think it's new information, but it did make me go, huh, I didn't know that. So I thought, you know, I'd share with everyone. Thank you. And they you. would have that moment as well. Thanks. So they said a chemical compound found in semen called prostaglandins can actually give you cramping and diarrhea because prostaglandins cause smooth muscles like those in your uterus and intestines to contract. And when your intestines contract too quickly, you can get diarrhea. So is this like if you're, if the semen like gets into your, like, can, I don't think, can semen like what crawl into your, all the way into your belly? I don't know about this. I don't so think, is this possible? I don't it think It says so. the, the prostaglandins are absorbed through your vagina and they venture to your colon because that is um, conveniently located right behind your uterus. This isn't just if you're doing it like in the butt. <laughs> no, this is, is there a key piece of information Although, that you're missing? I, I, I have feel, to say, I feel like you're missing something because, like, I don't wear use a condom with my husband, and like, I don't, I don't have diarrhea. So it's not going to affect all people in the same way. But they just said, you know, if you do notice a link, you're not crazy. Um, I did think it was really funny that they felt the need to note because this never even occurred to me, but they were like, don't worry, ingesting semen is fine. Oh, good. <laughs> so I can eat it. I just can't put it where it's like supposed yeah. to go. Right. They're like, your stomach acid breaks it down. So like you're good to go <laughs> for the guzzling. Um, so I I don't know. Fun, fun fact about our bodies. And I have to say the theme of this episode is just like being a woman is hard. We do not have it easy yeah, at this, any turn. If if people are like, yeah, TTCing right now, this is going to be even more upsetting. <laughs> For real. I know. It's a stressful <laughs> enough time. Um, but they, they said, talk to your doctor. You can take a Motrin ahead of time. That might help with the cramp. It, you know, your body not to cramp up. Um, but yeah, good, Thanks. good Thanks, luck Angela. to all those ladies having unprotected sex right now. What are you reading about, Laura? <laughs> so because this is, yeah, this is kind of like, uh, so I was reading the Times, the New York Times, and this is a, a study came out about how baby aspirin may help prevent a second pregnancy loss. Um, women who are trying to get pregnant again may benefit from a daily low dose aspirin. So my doctor actually recommended that I take an aspirin and it was something about me being older than trying to get pregnant. I was like, I'm not that old. <laughs> Are you in ge- quote unquote geriatric pregnancy? I guess because I'm 35 now. So offensive. So offensive. I know. <laughs> um, anyways, this is by Nicholas Bacalar. So for so a previous randomized trial suggested that aspirin had no beneficial effect, but then a re-analysis uh, of the data concentrating on women who were strictly adherent to the dosage showed that the baby aspirin, 81 milligram tablet taken while trying to become pregnant and throughout pregnancy is highly effective. So I love that they did this trial and they were like, oh, it didn't work. And then they're like, oh, wait, whoops. Half the, you know, a bunch of people like didn't actually do what we told them to do in the trial. We better go back and just analyze the people that actually took the aspirin. So, yeah, good for going back and analyzing the data and checking to see uh, what the results are for people who actually followed what they were supposed to do. Uh, anyways, the, yeah, so it helped. They compared with a placebo, taking a baby aspirin five to seven days a week resulted in eight more pregnancies, 15 more live births, and six fewer pregnancy losses for every 100 women in the trial. The key was strict adherence to the aspirin regimen. So aspirin reduces inflammation, 
So it's thought that the way it can help fertility is by reducing inflammation in the womb and thereby creating a safe environment for the embryo to grow in. And um, yeah, they tell a lot of people that are doing IVF, I guess, to take a baby aspirin. And um, I don't know, I've been, my doctor just recommended that I take one and up my calcium. That was like a thing where I was like, I was like, well, I don't understand why. And they're like, just do it. So, uh, and then the study came out. So yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's all. There's not really much discussion it's, here. Just thought it would be like a nice tip to share with. It's a good listeners. fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. The more I learn, honestly, the more I'm like, it's a miracle that uh, any of us are here at all, that <laughs> any babies are ever born. This is very true. All right. Now it is time for our topic of the week. This week's topic is freezing your eggs. And uh, it was actually inspired by a listener question that we got. So this is what they wrote. They wrote, hi, I love the podcast and I'm a longtime listener. I don't believe that there has been an episode yet around egg freezing, although it was mentioned that you have friends going through the process, which is true. Um, I'm nearing my 30s and I think I want kids down the road, but not anytime soon and would love to hear from a guest about how they came to make the decision to freeze their eggs, their experience, etc. Enter Darla. Enter Darla. So Darla, talk, Enter Darla, you talked before about why you decided to do it, but could yeah. you give us a little breakdown of what happens once you sign on to do this and you decide to go through it? What is this process like? Yes. And let me preface this by saying this process is different for everyone, of course, as any of these journeys are. Um, but for me, I would say I had a, a really positive experience. And I mean that both physically and mentally. As soon as I made the decision, I felt like um, I just felt really confident in my decision. I felt like I was doing like a really great thing. Um, sort of, like I said, just almost like a really expensive insurance policy in case I need these down the future. In down the in the future, sorry. Um, now, physically, what it entails is a big time commitment, and you go in every day to your doctor, and they're just measuring your where you are in your ovulation cycle. So probably not too dissimilar to these women that are TTC. Was that the right acronym? Trying to conceive. Where you're, you know, you're being on a second scene when you're ovulating, except I'm doing that in a doctor's office, getting blood drawn. Um, So let me just, (laughs) yeah, definitely more accurate. And I will say, if you have a fear of needles, this I was going to say this might be tough for you, but honestly, it won't because you'll just get so over it and so used to it that, that was your me. fear will completely disappear. That was well, me. During, during the prep, you have to uh, do the needle yourself at home, right? Yes. So See, there's that. Is... Basically, I know. I know. It seems crazy. Now I just, oh God, it's like second nature. Give it to me. Like it's nothing. Because you're going in the morning, you're getting blood drawn to chest, test your levels. And then you're getting your medication that you're injecting into your abdomen at home. And this is going on for, you just for a couple of weeks until, again, it varies for everyone until your egg is mature enough to be extracted. And, and that's what they determine during this blood test. Now, so yes, for a lot of people, that idea of injecting yourself with a needle is enough reason not to do it. But I assure you, you get used to that so quickly. I had my husband do the first one for me. Um, I thought it would just be easier to have someone else do it. By the second time, I was like, oh, just give it to me. I can do it. <laughs> like it was, and I've had, you know, friends um, 
help each other out. If you're really, really scared, you can actually, I know the clinic I went to, you could go and have a nurse do it for you. That's good to know. Even more time consuming because you're going in the evening. And what I will say was so daunting was the first day coming home with all these medications, putting them out on my table. It felt like that same kind of like anxiety of about to build a really terrible Ikea furniture where you're looking at it. You're like, why are there so many pieces? There's so many things. This is so complicated. But then as soon as you just go methodically step by step, like, okay, I need to take this medication and I need this much of it. And I need to put it in this syringe. It's really an easy step-by-step process. So that to me was gave like, that was overwhelming. Um, but again, once you go through it methodically, it's fine. So this, so you're doing this every night, you're injecting yourself. And then in the morning, you're going to your clinic, you're getting your blood drawn. They're seeing where you're at. You're getting vaginal ultrasounds to see things from the inside too. And then I, I, again, I'm sort of forgetting some of the details, but it, it drops to every second day. So after you go every day for the first little bit, then you go every second day. And, um, and how do people have a job? They have to like take a week or two off work, right? Honestly, that is such a good question because I, my clinic happened to be three blocks from my job. Oh my God. So you just snuck out. So I didn't even, I just, I went first thing in the morning. I took the subway up to my clinic, did the blood work and you're in and out. And, and everyone's, again, this is a clinic that only does egg freezing. So it happened to be you know, it was like kind of a well-oiled machine at that point. Like it was just, everyone was there for the same reason. So I went in, got my blood and then I walked to work and it was nothing. But if you don't have that luxury or you have to, you you know, your schedule is demanding or not consistent because these blood tests have to be done sort of the same time every day. That's another reason why this is, is just complicated. It's hard for some people. The time commitment is a big, is a big deal for sure. I know people who have taken time off to do this. Yeah. Wow. Or you just need to have a flexible job. And again, because I was doing this for, I was doing this for work. I was filming it. I was, um, every, you know, it wasn't a secret. Everyone in my office knew this was happening. Um, so it wasn't, I didn't have to sneak out per se. Right. Like if you were a little late, they would understand. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You go through all of this and then how likely is it that the IVF will even work when you're finally ready? Well, that's the other thing. Again, this is, as much as it gives you some peace of mind, of course, it's not a sure thing. I kind of liken it to the first step in a possible IVF in the future, essentially. Um, This is the egg extraction. I think we talked earlier about the next step would be making an embryo with sperm, getting a healthy embryo, implanting that, getting that, getting the implantation to take and then having a viable pregnancy. So yeah, you go through all this and I do have. In your article, you, you, um, you mentioned a 2016 study from the journal of fertility and, um, sterility, sterility, uh, women who freeze at least 10 to 15 eggs by age 35 can expect a 60 to 80% likelihood of a successful pregnancy. And you got eight eggs. I got eight eggs. Yes. So so how did that make you feel confident? Uh, It's just under the like 10 to 15 that that study mentions. Um, Yeah. That's so it was, I mean, obviously 
I, the more, the better. And I considered going in for another round, but for me, it was like, it's, it was eight eggs as the backup plan that I didn't have for me personally, this was never my, um, my sort of one hope at it, if you will. Like, again, I can do this naturally, hopefully, um, if we go that route, but if this was, if I was adamant about doing this on my own one day and I knew that kids were something that was an absolute, absolute must, then I would say another round or two would, would be advisable. Um, but it's, you know, it's a lot and like, it's not just the time consuming this. It's not just the cost. There are side effects. And I think those are important to talk about too. And like I said, my experience was really easy and like very positive, but you definitely, I got major bloat in my stomach, like to the point where it looked like I had a small baby bump. Yeah. And I, I remember that, that I think that happens a lot to, I've had friends that have gone through this say that, and that's also like can mentally fuck with you, especially if you're doing this to immediately go do IVF, you know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. oh my God, I look like I'm pregnant, but I'm not. And like, right, and, and you're you all hyped up and on you want to be, yeah, it's hard. It could be like mentally a big, um, like a big, and I think a, a lot thing. of people, I mean, I had, I've had a few friends go through this too. And it's funny because we've all had such different experiences, but you know, I had one who's generally, she's so even keeled. And then this made her incredibly emotional again, it's not long lasting, but during the cycle, um, and you know, another friend too had a really rough time mentally and emotionally. And it was, it was really hard for her to the point where I don't think she would want to do a second round of it. Yeah. And I had another friend actually who said she now has, and again, the problem is you don't know what's, what's related. Are there long-term effects of this? We don't really know. Um, I, I know a woman who did this and now she swears that she has chin like whiskers that she didn't use to have. <laughs> oh, and it's like, well, is that because we're just getting older? older yeah. Was like, that right. Was it because of this hormone thing? So, um, you know, there's those things to consider, but I found <laughs> that any of the side effects were after a month had gone back, even the bloat. Like I, this was kind of embarrassing. The two days, I think it was like two or three days after my extraction I was on a flight to Barcelona for some like super fancy work event. It was a bridal fashion show. And I packed a cute romper that I wear all the time. Could I buttoned it up? My breasts were so swollen and large, like as if I was pregnant. I had my little pregnancy bump essentially. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't button the thing up and I only had one outfit. So I had to like get creative with some sort of oh, no. ribbon ties. It was terrible. Oh but- my god. Wow. It's all water weight and that went away. But I do think you said your skin was glowing, right? <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> there was some good benefits too. I, I honestly, and I'm looking back at this photos of me, I'm like, wow, my hair was so long and thick. <laughs> I wonder if that yeah, had to do with it. Maybe it's just because I wasn't bleaching it and <sighs> dyeing it as much, but it looked good. And my skin was, you know, it was the same kind of thing. I think people, you know, they go on birth control for, um, acne like my skin was really nice just like i guess pregnancy hormones was um what was the extraction painful um so the extraction is the obviously i don't really remember it because i was totally put under um 
it's, it was very quick. Like it was, I mean, it felt like surgery. Like you go in, you put on your gown, go into the um, clinic and you're sedated. You know, anyone who's been put under in and out, like you don't know if you've been under for an hour or 15 minutes. Right. Um, I do know that they filmed me going under and coming out. Oh, and no. I'm, I hope to God they just destroyed that footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be fucked up. It's crazy. I mean, not many people can, that, that's not going to be a flattering shot for anyone. <laughs> it's terrible. There was, yeah, it's terrible. I saw a little bit of it and you're like, yeah, it was just crazy, but it didn't hurt. It wasn't, um, it, I think it was like 15 minutes total that I was put under. Like it really wasn't long. I was able to walk out on my cell. You know, we, Matthew was with me. We took a cab home, went out for brunch and yeah. kind of carried on. I had a little bit of cramping the next day, but other than... Um, this still is like so much. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but when I was in college, in the back of our college newspaper, there were always advertisements mm -hmm. for like, donate your eggs for like 10 grand. And I remember yeah. as like a baroque yeah. ass college student that like could barely afford food. I was like, should I just like donate my eggs? And I had just <laughs> no idea what that meant. Like, I guess I just assumed they would just like, I would just go in, they'd insert a needle, get them out. And then I'd go home. Like, I had no idea this is like what you go through. I mean, I did not do it, but I was, I didn't get that desperate, but I was close to being <laughs> that desperate when I was super broke. Um, but yeah, I, I just like, and I was like, you know, you're in your, what you're like eight, 1920 like you would think that I would have better sense of the female body and know that like what it means to like get eggs out but I had right. I don't know I guess when I think back to that of just truly not even knowing what those advertisements were asking us to do for ten thousand dollars or eight thousand dollars or however much I think they deliberately you know? downplay those for sure I remember totally. those ads so much and thinking wow that's so much money for like for what, nothing you know good old right. these eggs and yeah. I don't need all my eggs. I'm like, yeah, give me, if I'm going to do this for someone else, like you're giving me all the money. No, you're giving me like, yeah, you're giving me like a million dollars. Time off work. I'm not rushing around on the subway in New York city to get my blood taken for you. Yeah. Uh, real quick. We mentioned that it's expensive. I remember when I had gone in, they were like, if you need to do IVF, it's like 20 grand. I was like, what, how yeah. much was it just to freeze your eggs? Yes. So the money is obviously one of the biggest deterrents for people. And the annoying thing about it is this is why it ends up being generally older women, you know, older to freeze your eggs, um, like in your mid to late thirties, because those are people who are in their career and in a place where they can afford this when really the best time to freeze your eggs would be when you're in your twenties and have more eggs to work with. Um, but for me, so yeah, 20,000 is sort of the, the number that is the average. The clinic I went to, because it was just doing eggs, was $5,000. I think their prices have gone up since, mm -hmm. um, plus the cost of medication, which wow. your dosage varies depending on, I guess, like your blood results and stuff. Yeah. So that is an additional, for me, it was like an additional, I want to say, four grand. Wow. So it was like half of what IVF is. Yeah. So it's exactly. So it was still like three, three to $5,000 in medication. So that number is hard to predict. And then it was 5,000 for the procedure. Now that being said, so again, this was, as I said, like peak boutique egg freezing. So there was like all these places popping up and like offering crazy discounts. I swear I'm not making this up. I 
think I'll have to double check this, but I'm pretty sure there was at one point an egg freezing thing on Groupon. Oh my God. <laughs> like, honestly, that doesn't surprise me. I know this, it was like in New York. It was, I forget, forget when that was, but um, yeah. So it was kind of a, yeah, this, it's expen- like it's, it's a disruption. Expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. But then some companies pay for it. Some medical insurance will pay for it. Google and all those companies do. In most other countries, it's covered as part of medical. Like I, I have a friend in Australia. She's a doctor. And she said sort of the, the go-to graduation gift that people were giving um, college graduate, like their children, whatever, was egg freezing. Whoa. That's wow. So you're like 20, what, 22. So it's just have your eggs frozen. Don't think about it. I, I, get, I get maybe like paint covering it for your kid. But like, I don't know if I would like tie a bow on it as this is your graduation present. If I, like I would be happy to pay focus for it. Your if I career. Can, yeah. I'd be like, I would more, yeah. Focus on your career, bitch. Like, like it, yeah. I would more be like, if you want to do this for yourself, we'll do it. Your graduation present though is uh, like the, something your, a little more a, fun. A plane ticket. Yeah. Is your plane, exactly. is your plane ticket. Like, I don't think I would call it a graduation present. That just seems, I don't know weird like making yeah. something that you're doing to your body like uh well, rem- like, and making like, a lot of assumptions do you remember that yeah. news story angela we read like a long time ago about people were giving like boob jobs or nose jobs to like their kids for graduation see that's what we do in america that's what we do in america <laughs> yeah exactly uh i don't know anything um any this was so helpful and like you yeah it was i we are so grateful that you were so open and down to share your personal experience because I know it's going to help definitely the listener that wrote in and hopefully some other people out there that are, that are considering it. Is there anything else you think that people should know or did we cover it? I mean, absolutely. If anyone can reach out to me, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, but the nice or the cool thing about this article, because it lives online and I've kind of, you know, even forgotten about it, but every once in a while something pops up in my inbox and someone will say, Hey, you know, I've, been thinking of doing this and I was doing some Googling. I came across your article and it's just really neat to know that it's answered some questions or helped someone make a decision for themselves, whether it's something they think is important for them or not. Um, yeah. So I'm happy to answer. Do you prefer questions. people sliding into your DMs or how do you, people prefer, sliding into my how DMs. Do you prefer people get in touch with you and where should they contact you? Good question. Um, I, yeah. Slide into my DMs on Instagram. It's, uh, my handle is at Darla Graham, my name, D-A-R-L-A-G-R-A-M. You can DM me there or, you know, you can reach Angela and Laura and they'll get in touch with me. Yeah. (laughs) We'll pass it along. We'll pass it along. We'll forward it. Um, thank you so much, Darla. Um, yeah, you're, you're amazing. And I'm so grateful to have you as a friend and you're my crazy talented friend. And yeah, thank you. Uh, guys, that is it. And for I this can't show. wait to play with your baby when it comes. Yes. Babies. The nice yeah. thing is I got lots of friends. With it, so. <laughs> He's coming soon. Yeah. Uh, that is it for this week's This Is Why podcast. Thank you so much, Darla Murray. Uh, slide into her DMs if you want. Watch Entertainment Tonight. Google her name. You'll find all of her articles. You'll find the one in Cosmo and many, many more amazing ones that she's written over the years. And uh, check out our book, This Is Why You're Single, and my new book, Cinderella and the Glass Ceiling and Other Feminist Fairy Tales. We encourage you to get them from your local indie bookstores.
Yeah, and get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors. For a full list of sponsors and the codes, check out our podcast page on thisiswhythepodcast.com. We are also on social, so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at thisiswhypodcast. You can slide into our DMs as well. Uh, please like and subscribe on iTunes. And thank you for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. Bye. This is why, this is why Pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news This is why The podcast That was a HeadGum podcast <laughs>